You're listening to The Big Reviewski on Joe, brought to you by Omniplex Cinemas. Like that polyrhythms. That's what those are. All right, music nerd. <laughs> you shut your mouth. Why don't you marry a music now already? <laughs> I'm dead. Middle C, I love you. Um, so, uh, welcome to uh, our latest bonus feature here on the Bigger View Ski. There's a brand new film out in cinemas. It's Alita Battle Angel. Rory met every single person involved with the film. So, so there the are six, stuff. 600 <laughs> yeah, interviews really. are about to happen. Um, who are you starting off with? Alphabetically. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to start off with the best boy and move on to the gaffer. Okay. Nice. Uh, no, Just a starting off Saturday night out with <laughs> starting off with the director Robert Rodriguez, who you should know from Sin City, Spy Kids, Machete, <laughs> and uh, yeah, very eclectic CV does there Robert have? Um, uh, he has a lot of love for Mr. James Cameron. I can imagine so he why does. because Cameron's behind this in a production role, isn't he? He was originally due to direct it and then Avatar took over his whole life. Yes. <laughs> and uh, everyone else's. Yeah. Um, so he had originally written the script to direct for himself, but he remains on as co-screenwriter and co-producer. So a quick plot's it all about. It's set in the future. Set in the future. Robots. Robots. No memory of where she's a robot from. Standard robot. Kicks at her robots yeah. in the face to nice. find out what's going on. There is, yeah. if you've seen the trailer, there is a, a robot in it with kind of scythes for arms. Yeah. And he looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's a lady. But that's a lady. Okay. <laughs> okay. Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> is not who this interview is with. Here's Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> Robert, how are you doing today? Excellent. Fantastic. Happy to hear it. Congratulations on the movie. Thank really, you. really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I'm going to set everyone I know to see it on as big a screen as yes. they possibly can because it's possible. fantastic to look at. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to a film this big, how, how, how do you personally begin a project like this? Because there's just so many... Uh, parts to it like what, yeah. what What do you decide this is what I'm going to focus on first the very first thing I started doing was just drawing out storyboards for some of the key sequences in oh, fact yeah. we had just taken it to Fox and Jim came down to my house in my studio to check it out and we went to my house I made him some pizza and I said you want to watch 15 minutes of the movie and he's like what I, said, <laughs> I already cut together the bar fight and some motorball and this from my storyboards with sound effects and music and and it's like what it feels like you're watching the movie, sure, because it's got the sound effects and everything. And he could say he could make comments on it. So he's like, "Wow!" I said I had to get started right away. This yeah. was the end of 2015. Wow! And some of those shots finally just dropped in like a week ago. Wow! So that's how long it took. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get started right away. I focused on the ones that were the biggest. Scene. I did that on Sin City too. I went right at the scenes that were the most complex, and I try to figure those out first because then everything else after that was kind of just rolls down easier. When it comes to um, big budget sci-fi, like J- James obviously knows that genre inside and out because Avatar is the biggest film of all time. Um, and there are certain other movies like Inception and The Martian that do really, really well. But there's also the flip side where they have, say, Jupiter Ascending or, you know, this really big original sci-fi stuff that I believe Alita is quite different to everything else in the big screen. What that Don't stick the landing. Do you... Do you, do you have any inkling as to why some do and some don't? Yeah, they didn't have Jim Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> he's the secret he, he's, weapon. <laughs> he's the secret weapon. I mean, he's no. It's why he has some of the biggest movies of all time. 
the other movies that are the biggest of all time, they didn't come from writer directors. Mm-hmm. You know, so he sees the whole picture. He's and uh, I really and I've known him twenty five years, and I can tell you, I still don't know how he does it. I've I wanted to work with him so I could get a peek behind the curtain to see what the trick is. The trick is there's no trick. The guy's just actually a genius. <laughs> and it's like blows your mind. It's humbling, but it's also exciting to be around people like that. Yeah. Because he can literally see around a corner. I mean, like, you follow him going, what are you talking about? Oh, I mean, it's like magic. He sees what and we he, do. And his story was already so well-crafted, and it didn't fall into the pitfall of it being just sci-fi, futuristic, cyborg it was like oh this is like a story that's very timeless that you can play to any audience member even if they don't know what a manga is they can like get into this story because it's about the human element and what makes a great picture what makes a great movie science fiction or anyways like is this or especially a science fiction fantasy is the mix of truth and spectacle the spectacle's why you go yeah but you're going to walk away taking home with you the you know the human element the truth, the human truth of it, and that's what this had so much of. Yeah, that um, I got me really excited about it and made me want to make it with him. Uh, when it came to the uh, the specific visual palace, because that's another thing about about science fiction. If you go like too rainy and neon, then everyone's going to be like, "Oh, it's just oh, yeah. it's Blade Runner." Or if you go too the other way, it's like, "Oh, it's just Mad Max Fury Road." Like, how how difficult is it to strike the balance where maybe you are paying homage to certain sci-fi, but also you want to create your own specific image and, and as there was was there anything that you were like this is kind of borrowing from that yeah no this thing felt original in that it was um, and it was just because of a scientific reason originally it was set more like in a Kansas City type place in the manga but uh, Jim moved it to the equator because in his mind you know a space elevator would only really work close to the equator which put it like in Panama City. And I was like, really? Well, that's cool because that gives us like a Latin country look to this sci-fi, which you've never seen before. But yeah. that's not why he put it there. Um, it was just for scientific reasons per- only. But it gave us a color palette and just a, a look that was very different, more relatable. And that was the other thing, too. You wanted to make it more relatable than some sci-fi movies where they're so far in the future. And this is 600 years in the future that you can't really relate to it. And it feels yeah. too foreign. And then uh, almost like, you detach emotionally from that where here it feels so relatable that it feels like a story that's part of a reflection of who we are and one final question it can be yes or no if you like if this does fantastically well which I really hope it does would you come back and direct the sequel or are you like after four years I need to take a little break and then yeah I mean it didn't really feel like four years I mean it really was a fun journey and uh, we would definitely I mean if everyone please and go see it we would love to make more I mean you saw the ending. It just—it's yeah. just a roll. It's just a drum roll into another movie. Yeah, at so. the end, I was like, "Damn you, you Robert!" <laughs> I mean, it gives a very complete story. Now she knows who she is. But yeah. you, just, you have to. You want more. You want more. You definitely. Absolutely. And you would. And it would be such a cool way to follow into the next worlds through her eyes, because now she's so relatable that the other worlds won't feel so foreign because you're seeing it through her eyes. She's, she'll be experiencing it the first time, too. So I think she's a good window into these kind of movies that normally would leave us a little bit more cold because they get so get so out there. You can go pretty out there because you've got her mm-hmm. walking you through, so that, that would be fun. Well, I hope it does. I really look forward to any sequels you might do. Robert, thank Thanks. you so much. That's big Bobby Rodriguez, um, Robert Rodriguez there. Uh, next up, we have the star of the show, oh. Alida herself. Rosa Salazar. Oh, okay. How do you feel like, about that? Fantastic. It's like you're, you're a huge fan of Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos. Yeah, she um, she had a voice in Bojack. <gasps> no, Horseman. she had a she had a voice in Big Mouth. Oh my god! She who? was the teacher that uh, 
Oh, uh, the gym teacher has a crush on. Yes. She's she was oh. that teacher. She, she was also in one of the divergents. Okay. D- detergent. Detergent. Yeah. <laughs> and she was in two of the Maze Runners. My God, she's really gone after that young adult kind of <laughs> yeah. genre. Yeah, and she's not a teenager. That'd be a great quiz <laughs> question. Like, who starred in both of those series? Yeah. And still lived to tell the tale. Still yeah. managed to get a lead Who's, role. Yeah. Who starred in Detergent and Maze Runner? And Maze Runners. Um, what? What was I, was I saying? Say, okay, not, oh, yeah. She's I, the lead yeah. for this now. Yeah. And her name is? Rosa Salazar. Oh. Congratulations on the movie. Really, really Thank enjoyed you. it. Really, really enjoyed your performance in it. Thank you. Um, my first question is, when you seen yourself for the first time on the big screen as this character, what was your initial reaction? Because it must be... It must be difficult for your brain to process to go, I know that is me, but yes. it's just a little not me too. It was quite surreal. It, it, it did feel like an out-of-body experience. Before I um, commenced shooting the film, uh, John invited me down to Lightstorm Entertainment in um, in Manhattan Beach, and he showed me an animatic of what I, I might look like, and he said, you will see your performance up there. I promise you this. Mm-hmm. And I said... That's all I really care about. I was shocked at how much of me they actually, my actual face is there. Uh, yeah. The lines and the eyebrows and the all of those aesthetic things. But what I was most um, in awe of is that they managed to capture my essence, which that's science fiction all, all in itself. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 just like Alita says in the movie, I felt a connection to it. I can't explain. Mm-hmm. Well, the character, I thought it was it was a very interesting one to watch because there's a certain balance you have to strike because there's almost like a childlike naivety wonder of the new world, while at the same time, you have to be totally kick-ass and believable as being kick-ass. Um, how, how hard or how much work did you have to put into to make sure you got that balance just right for the character? Well, part of it is um, making sure I went back to my acting roots. Um, when I, uh, there are many levels. Uh, there, there's a rhythm to her, um, her growth, her exponential growth, and I wanted to make sure that each moment was uh, pitch perfect so that I was hitting that um, that wave. So that's that's how do I say this? Um, I think. Remind me your question again, because sure, sure. I, I forgot what I was going to say, and you inspired <laughs> <okay>. me. <laughs> My run just threw you off. It's fine. It's the, uh, yeah, it's just how difficult is it to strike the balance of being uh, both childlike uh, 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 uh. and a kick-ass warrior? The beauty of Alita is that um, she's fully dynamic. I mean, you find this in a lot of James Cameron's and Robert Rodriguez yes. characters. Uh, you have these female protagonists that are realistic in the sense that they are a 12-sided die of attributes and flaws. Um this is how women really are. Sure. We aren't, um, you know, uh, uh, myopic creatures. We're not just, um, wow, she's feisty and she's also innocent. You know, she's ladylike, but she's also kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Like, that's sort of um, that's sort of like a first wave uh, female character breakdown. Um, I hate seeing that in, 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 in character breakdowns. Uh, she's attractive, but she's also tough. Yeah. She's everything. Yeah. And that's how dynamic women really are. Sure. So um, it wasn't hard for me to strike that balance because um, I'm everything. You're every woman. I'm every woman. <laughs> it's all in me. 
when it came to uh, to to this, uh, did you like lose yourself in the graphic novels? Like when you when you knew oh, it was coming up? Oh my god, I, I really really did. I mean, I only it was only necessary to read really the first um, the first four books yeah. of Gunnam, the the main series, Battle Angel Alita. Uh, but I, I had to keep going. Sure. It, the world sucks you in, and it's so expansive. Once you get to Last Order, which I also read, I mean, you're in space. Uh, there are nanobots. There are um, villains that you simply cannot destroy. Uh, and now that Mars Chronicle is a thing, I'm so excited to download that into my brain as well. I mean, um, I became just as protective as the fans when I read the manga so I think it was essential for me to spend time with the manga so that I uh, did did her justice and final question uh, we obviously we I, I personally could speak for myself I would love to see a sequel and you said you've totally invested yourself in uh, in the sequels in the novelizations and stuff is there one particular scene or one particular character from the future stuff that you're like oh I can't wait Figure four. Figure four. Figure four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's another. It's another nice union. Okay. And he's very tough. He's a, can sort of meet her on her level in in, in that way. Yeah. He's sort of a warrior himself, and uh, you know she really is a solo act. She really is a lone ranger. So uh, every um, man she meets along the way, every character she meets along the way, it's sort of like uh, she's always passing through. And I sort of love that about her. Yeah, she, she keeps meeting these people. She's a fantastic character, and you played her fantastically. Rosa, thank you so much. Rosa, she's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, is she as lovely as Christopher Waltz, or <laughs> <laughs> abbreviated to Christoph Waltz? Christoph Waltz, PPK. Um, no. No, he's a, he's a lovely, lovely, gen- gentle, laid-back man, easy to chat to, a lot in common. <laughs> I'm sensing sarcasm. Oh, no. Not me so well. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, he's a, he's a very intelligent man. I think he speaks, I don't know, 15,000 languages. I think that's um, accurate. Um, and he's won two Oscars, so he's obviously good at his job. Yeah. He's won two? Yeah, he won one for Inglorious. Inglorious, yeah. supporting for, for was it Django. Django as well, right, uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, he's a... He's fair play to him. He's doing all right. Good man yourself. Right, yeah, uh, He's not in Tarantino's new one. I think he's the only man not in Tarantino's <laughs> new one. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, half of Hollywood is. But, yeah, he, he talked about his weapon. I'll let you hear about that on your own. And, uh, and yeah, just the, the greatness that is Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. If I were in your shoes, they're, they're really nice shoes, by the way. If I were in your shoes, the selling point for me for this film would have been two words, rocket hammer. <laughs> How did you react when you realised that was going to be your weapon of choice for, for this movie? In German, it would be one word. And um, that um, describes it even better. Go on. What, what, what's the German word for it? Well, rocket hammer. Oh. You, you just put the it's two together the two and then it's one. Yeah, it, sounds, it's, it sounds even better as, as a one word kind of misnomer. You, you could also reverse it, but it would be something else, a uh, uh, hammer rocket. Yeah, yeah. And everything would change. <laughs> it's a completely different thing altogether. You, you'd shoot it. The hammer, you have to swing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you could always say this guy is a swinger, or yes. you know, um, <laughs> not sure that it would do um, well, justice it, to it, the character. But um, it would be a different kind of character, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe uh, there's some there's some hidden depths there to your character. We'll see in, in the next. But one. hammer swinger, hammer swinger. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've met a, I've met a few of them too. <laughs> um, when it came to this uh, this movie, like when I was watching a character, the the uh, influence I got was basically if Doctor Frankenstein used his powers for good. Uh, did you ever, ever have uh, conversations with Robert or with James Cameron about any particular influences aside from the original uh, source material for the character for you? Um, well, let's let's stay with Frankenstein. Okay. I personally think it's the opposite. Okay. Because Frankenstein dreams of creating life, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, as hubristic as a human can get. Sure. And he digs out dead matter that he tries to electrify into, li- into life. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in our story is that life survived. It's something that we will have to concern ourselves with sooner or later. Absolutely, yeah. Because Earth will survive, mm-hmm. definitely. Whether life as we know it will is a moot point, Yeah, unfortunately. But um, so life and spirit are found, and then the adequate... Um, body is put together to house and accommodate accommodate the life and the spirit. So, in a way, that's the exact reverse of the Frankenstein um, mythology. Not mythology, but action. Sure, yeah. Well, again, um, it's a very interesting character, and I think there's so there's so much there's so many layers to it. Like it, in the beginning, it was like what a great guy, and then the next scene, it was like oh, he's he's up to something. So it was again, it was a bit of a roller coaster uh, enjoying your character. Good, good. Um, when it came, because you're one of the few actors I think who has worked with both Tarantino and Rodriguez, and obviously they're really, really and good friends. many others, and and many others, and they as well. were as different as the two are from each other. That's what I was going to ask. Preempt like, your question, yeah, because I feel. Uh, uh, as they are good friends and they've worked previously on projects together before, was there was there one similarity or is there one massive difference that you were like, oh, I didn't anticipate? No, well, that. the similarity is, um, you know, um, the similarity uh, between all all great directors that they are sharp thinkers mm-hmm. and very attentive and thorough workers, and um, you know, the, they pay attention to detail. And they have a real plan, and they are not there for a party. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that um, some kind of tips you're using for yourself? Because I know you're making your directorial big screen debut with Georgetown. I can tell you that I can't tell you. Okay, cool. Okay. Can you talk about any potential? Do you know if you're down for any potential sequels for Alita? Would you be potential? Is probably the right word. Nobody knows anything. Sure. Because sure. I think you know there, there is so much involved that it's a big decision, and um, you know maybe people don't like it. Oh, that would be disappointing because I want to see where everything goes for the next thing because it's such a... Me too, me It's too. a beautiful film to look at, first of all. I totally and, agree. And there's so many, again, every time I was like, <laughs> I know where this film is now, it kept peeling back another layer. Um, uh, that's what really makes me enthusiastic, yeah. even though I'm not an um, avid consumer of big popcorn movie, mm-hmm. um, superheroes... I have, uh, let's say, um, f- frictious uh, sure. uh, uh, 
perspective at least. Sure. You know, but this is not a superhero movie because it really it's it's uh, it's it's the consummate movie experience. You employ the, the brains you have um, on whatever level that exists. Mm-hmm. You employ your enthusiasm. You employ your heart. You give as much as you take, and that's what you want to do. Absolutely, absolutely. You want your brain to light up as much as anything else. Christoph, thank you so much. Thank you. What a man. Terrifying. It's scary just sitting here listening to him as well. Never mind actually sitting opposite him, looking at him. Yeah, like I, I think he, like Anthony Hopkins, like he will always be associated with being terrifying because of one role. Um, it's like Elizabeth Berkeley in Showgirls. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Um, <laughs> so scary. So scary. What are you doing to that pool? Get out. Uh, yeah, so he... he that's uh, not swimming. That's not how you swim. I don't know who taught you the breaststroke, but that's not it. Well, it kind of is. Okay. Um, but he... Uh, I spoke to another of the co-stars, Kian Johnson, who's a relatively new up-and-comer. Um, he gets his ass kicked a lot in this film because he is not a robot. Just to clarify. Oh, so he's a normal uh, human. Yeah. So okay. the other robots are just kind of kicking his ass up and down uh, the, the really realistic set in this. Uh, so he talks about that, getting his ass kicked. And also he's on another huge blockbuster, I think it's out later this year, directed by Roland Emmerich, the guy behind Independence Day and um, every other film in the <laughs> and world. Oh. 2012 with flying giraffes on Chinooks. Yes. Yes. And the day after tomorrow. And the day after tomorrow. So this is uh, Kean Johnson, Johnson, who's got a, a big 2019 coming up. Well done, Kean. So happy for you. Congratulations on the movie. Thank you. Um, first things first, a, what I believe, $200 million production. What is day one like? Uh, yeah, I guess $1 million. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, yeah, this, the scope and scale was absolutely incredible. Uh, Iron City is a real city that was built in the back lot of uh, Robert Rodriguez's uh, camp. Oh wow! Um, and the amount of detail was unreal. And they, you know, they they had been working on it for months and months. And then on top of that, uh, the city can can stand there without them doing anything for ten years. <laughs> and you know, he could shoot other movies there. You know, it's 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 a beautiful beautiful set. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, did you get much time to work with Rosa? Because the film, <clears throat> it would it would be made or broken by how well you two work together. Now, yeah. thankfully, I think the two of you are fantastic together. Thank you. But uh, did you get much time to work on that chemistry? I mean, no, there wasn't much time to really like f- you know work on it. But it, I don't think we really needed it. It was very much like uh, the first day I was on set. She, I, I heard a, a huge scream. And Rosa ran up to me in her motion capture suit and just held my hand and introduced me to everyone and made me feel, you know, super comfortable. And, you know, just then, I think we had lunch. And I think we just had one lunch. We, you know, told each other our deepest, darkest secrets. And then, uh, yeah, we're like, <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's make out in a month or something. <laughs> um, when it comes to Robert, like, how is he as a director? Did you get much, if at all, interaction with the legendary James Cameron? Uh Yes, uh, as far as Robert, um, he's 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 very unique as a, as a director. Um, he's he's uh, he's very specific on the notes that he gives. He won't mm-hmm. just he won't just give you a note to give you a note to try something different. He'll come up to you and he'll say something very uh, unique and profound to the point that you know it 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 
really, really helps your character. Um, and as far as Cameron, um, you know, he really wanted to give Robert the the, the director keys, um, and he kind of sat back as the you know producer writer. But um, the help that I got from James, as an actor, you when you when you when you get a role, you you know you you want to create a backstory, you want to kind of like make up why you are and, and you know what you are um, and I didn't have to do any of that because Cameron sent me a you know f three to five page you know bio on on Hugo uh, his his growing up all these like small things that you know were so helpful and you know knowing your backstory beforehand it was just given to you <clears throat> sounds really nice when it came to I don't want to do any spoilers whatsoever, so I'm going to word this very carefully. Okay. Uh, there's one scene in particular, let's say later on in the film, mm -hmm. um, that you are obviously involved in. <clears throat> yeah. How did you initially react when you finally seen that scene of yourself uh, on the big screen? Like, were you like, oh, that's exactly what I pictured it, much better? Yeah, I mean, you see, you see little sketches and you see, you know little bits and pieces of what it might look like but when it's when it's m truly moving around uh and when you you know yeah i mean i i don't think i quite ever expected the scope and scale of, yeah. of what it ended up being yeah it is a, it's vi visually it's it's quite fantastic and yeah. i think your character is involved in some uh unique action scenes, let's say. Yeah. Uh, you get your ass kicked a few times. Yes. <laughs> uh, how did you feel about when it came to knowing there was a big action scene ahead? Are you someone who wants to dive in like Tom Cruise? Are you like, no, I think I'll step back and let the stuntman do it? I want to dive in, for oh, sure. Really? And there, there there, actually was a few, uh, you know, a, a few takes where they would, you know, let me go and, and do it. There was also uh, all the gyro motorbike scenes. Um, yes, I wanted to ask about that because yeah, we, they looked really fun but also potentially hazardous to get on. Yeah, it, there, we tried so many different ways on how to do it. We tried, you know, we tried some blue men in suits running with, you know, kind of like <laughs> rods and I was, and, you know, that didn't quite work. Then we tried, you know, you know, uh, a, a little process trail that would pull it, and then we ended up getting the Mac Daddy process trailer uh, that they used for um, a Mission the last Mission Impossible oh, movie. Wow. Uh, so they're able to put you know a, a full size car with the camera on top of it, and the the rig can go up to 130 miles an hour, 140 miles an hour. We weren't going that fast, mind you, Good. but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but I was yeah on it, and you really felt the speed, even going at 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour, and that's what really worked. That's what made it look real. It, it, it did look fun, but also dangerous, which is a good a good it's, thing for an yeah, action film. Uh, yeah. And just last one, you're moving from one huge uh, production to another with Midway. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Uh, I, I'm not an enemy of Ed's in that one. We're actually pals, and uh, uh, Ed is uh, plays Dick Best, who is this you know very famous uh, stunt um, fighter pilot, and then I play his rear gunner. Um, so that was, I mean, that was another, you know, big scale mm. green screen. That was actually much more green screen than Alita. Um, but yeah, we were in, you know, uh, replica sized SBD fighter jet planes. Um, and the, what they were doing with the camera work and, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be fun for sure. It's going to be epic. I look forward to it. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Second last, but not second least, it's John Landau. <laughs> That's a phrase, isn't it? <laughs> Um, so no. from this point on it will be so this guy Roy I remember whenever you we were looking at the footage from this interview because you can see these interviews uh, with real people I know what you're about to say and what? I don't know if you should follow that route go on no no I was going to say he looks like the most producer who ever okay. the most producery producer who ever 
producer. <laughs> yeah. he, he just looks like a Hollywood producer. He, do, he looks exactly what you think Hollywood producer would look like. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Um, it's like that guy, he's clearly got so much money. But he when you look at him, he's just wearing like a great t shirt. He's an Oscar as well. Yeah. Yes, so he was. Uh, Part of the the team behind Titanic mm-hmm. and behind Avatar as well. Obviously, does a lot of work with and James Dick Cameron. Dick Tracy back in the day. And Dick Tracy as well. Oh. Wow, <laughs> the three biggies: Titanic, <laughs> Avatar, and Dick Eclectic. Tracy. Eclectic little collection he's got there. Um, yeah, so he remained on, uh, on board ever since Cameron was supposed to direct it. So he stayed on as co-producer with Cameron, and he is producing Avatars two, three, four, and five. So that's wow. he's set for money for a while. For life. Because they've released or they've uh, released pictures or video of the brand new uh, Pandora theme park for Avatar as well, yeah. which looks incredible. And he's probably getting paid for that too. Yeah, hundred percent. This is uh, John Landau. <laughs> if you're ever like wondering where your money is, <laughs> he's got he, it. He, this man has it. Uh, we have an Irishman who played a very critical role on Alita. Oh yeah, uh, Richie Bainham. Uh, Richie. Um, it was uh, Lightstorm's uh, visual effects consultant. Um, he comes from Ireland. He won an Academy Award for Avatar. Oh, wow. He's been working with us ever since. And uh, he's brought to us on Avatar, on the sequels, what I call the Irish Mafia. Okay. Because, because it's him. It's Stevie Dean. Here's this little cadre of people <laughs> that, that they all started in Ireland— you know, and and went to, went to film school, learned about animation there, and then moved out and ventured out. And, and now anyway. he's working on some of the biggest films in the world. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, well, that's that's great to hear that you've such a strong Irish contingent in we, we do. Uh, in, in Alita. Um, I guess the the big question is like, for me anyway, was this has been so long in in pre production. It's it's been a passion project for James Cameron, and now oh, here we are with it. in reality, thanks to yourself and Robert Rodriguez and James. Um, I guess what would for you from your perspective what would you say is the biggest change you've seen from when it was initially a James Cameron potential project to what it is today you know I think that the biggest change is the accessibility that Robert created in the material Mm -hmm. Jim was always making a movie that was going to be hugely commercially you know successful Robert brought a little bit of his PG-rated movie sensibility to Alita. And now I think the movie plays to the perfect combination of audiences. Yeah, like there's there's so much in it. It felt like every 15 or 20 minutes was peeling away another layer. It was like, oh, I get it now. And then it would come a change again. It was like, oh, it's it's this now. Like I, I enjoyed the, uh, the kind of constant change that came with it. Well, well, she changes too. Absolutely, so it's not yeah. just, you know, you're not just changing visuals, you're mm. changing character. Every one of the characters. Every, every one of the characters. The Edo changes, you know, Sharin changes, Hugo changes, and, yeah. and of course Alita changes. Yeah. Um, when it came to the casting, I know it must be difficult because everyone has, a, everyone who, who, who loves the project to begin with has a particular vision in mind of who they'd love to see uh, play each character. But when it comes to casting something like this, how, how difficult is it to kind of bank on someone like Rosa, who is a fantastic actress but maybe isn't a huge name to pin the movie on? You know, if you look historically at the movies we've made, um, Leo wasn't Leo when we made Titanic. That's true. You know, Kate wasn't Kate. Zoe Saldana wasn't Zoe when we yeah. made Avatar. We seek out the best actors to play roles where they can be chameleons. When you do 
movies that transport you to a different world, whether it's the world of Titanic, because we're transporting you back in history, the world of Pandora, the world of Iron City. You don't want an actor who stands out as their celebrity. You want an actor who is a chameleon and melts into the role. Mm-hmm. So we get the luxury of finding the best performers. And that's what we found in Rosa. We could have cast anybody. We could have cast someone younger than her, older than her, different ethnicity than her. But she was the diamond yeah. that we found. Yeah, she's she's fantastic, I have to say. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, I would love to see Rodriguez uh, join the likes of James Cameron and uh, Christopher Nolan and Spielberg. There seems to be only a select few directors who can land a big sci-fi. Because for some reason, you see the likes of, say, Jupiter Ascending or Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. it it hits rocky ground when it comes out. Is there an aspect to it where you can tell, you're like, I know this is going to work because of this? You know, I, I think it starts with a script. And I think Robert Rodriguez took Jim's script, which was too long, mm. but had all the heart and all the character in there. And Robert said to me, John, I'm not going to rewrite Jim because you don't rewrite him. I'm going to edit him. Sure. And he edited it down and presented the script back to us. And if you think of that script as Robert's audition for the movie... Robert nailed it. Robert nailed the themes. He nailed the character development. He nailed all of those those things. And, and that said to both Jim and I that Robert is the right person, has the right vision for this, this science fiction project that meant so much to us. Yeah. And I'm looking at... I know how difficult this next question is going to be to answer for you. Looking forward, uh, I assume you have seen the script for uh, Avatar 2. Um, but is there an aspect to that script where, in the same way that the first one was such a huge hit, with the sequel you'd be like, oh, I can't wait for audiences to see what he's doing with this one? Well, I- I've seen the scripts for Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5. Sure. And <laughs> That's a lot of reading. <laughs> it's a lot of reading. But Jim has this uncanny ability to go beyond what you think even the promise was that he gave you on the first movie. Right. You sit there and go, okay, does this deliver on the promise and the expectations of what people have going to a sequel? He's gone beyond that. And then he surrounds himself with these artists, and he challenges them to go beyond it. And you put the art together with what Jim has on the page, and people are going to, you know, if people wanted to spend time on Pandora last time, they're going to want to spend more time on Pandora and more time with the characters of these movies as we move forward. And have you got the Irish Mafia back for uh, Avatar 2? The Irish Mafia <laughs> is working with them, and they play ki- critical, very critical roles. Fantastic. Thank you so much, John. Thank you very much. That was cool, what he said about the Irish Mafia. Mm. The fact that there's this group of amazingly tire- uh, talented Irish visual effects experts. That's like, I think it's the hardest sentence I've ever said in my life. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many syllables. So many Get a hype clue out of that. Yeah. Um, but that's cool that they keep bringing they them back. They won Oscar too. Those Irish people won an Oscar for Avatar. Uh, Unbelievable. Deserves. And they worked on the lead of Battle Angel and they're uh, still heavily involved in the Avatar sequels. So, Killing go on the Ireland. On the lads. Happy days. Uh, Ooh, the lads. Our <laughs> final, final interview from Alita Battle Angel is uh, the, like, she's got a really interesting taste in kind of the movie roles that she does. It is, mm. of course, Jennifer Connelly yeah. um, with the straightest black hair in the world. All on one side of her head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a look to see Behold. but you can't because this is a podcast but we're inside your it's ears. on um, 
it's on the Joe YouTube page if you want to get a visual. But she's uh, she's a lovely lady. She was very um, she's very nice because I guess word spread that I had had a terrible time getting yeah. over to the interviews that day. You had a journey, and she kicks off the interview. She's like, "I heard you had a tough time getting well, here." That was nice of her. So yeah, it was nice of her. Uh, so Did she arrange to have like her private jet fly you back to Ireland then afterwards? Really, no. That is rude. So, so she started all off that, all and that got really went to waste. <laughs> yeah. um, well, we talked about the movie. We talked about her uh, upcoming role in Top Gun 2. We talked about um, her Irish heritage and put to rest a long-running rumour. Oh. <gasps> rumour mills out of, out of business. Which rumour? That rumour? You'll hear oh, it. Jesus. Oh. Here's Roy's interview with the very rude Jennifer Connolly. <laughs> I had to make it my own way home. Give me your jet. <laughs> and hair. What are you doing with it? And hair. You're so straight. How are you? Really, really good. You've really, been really, an epic really good. journey. <laughs> I've had a, uh, a time, but we're here now to talk about the fantastic Alita Battle Angel. Uh, congratulations Thank on that. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> before we get into any of that, I did, you could just yes or no this one. I did research. Is it true Princess Jasmine was based on your good self? I have no idea. You don't know? I'm going to have to say no. I can't imagine that's actually true. I've heard that rumor. Right. But. Let's just leave it as maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I was also looking this up as well. Apparently you've got Irish heritage. I do. Where does that come from? My dad's side of the family. I don't know exactly where, though, mm-hmm. because, it was, you know, the kind of questions that you don't ask when you're young and then the people that then you really want to know yeah. and those people aren't around to ask, ask anymore. Well, whenever you want to come over to Ireland and just figure out where Thank you. Jay Connolly comes from. I had an from. amazing visit there once many years ago. Oh, yeah? And, yeah. Was I that for a movie or just... No, I was just kind of... Hanging out? Hanging out. Had right. a great time. Well, whenever you want to come back, you, you, you let you. us know. One thing I've noticed about your uh, CV is that whenever you do sci-fi or big budget stuff, it always seems to skewer more towards intelligence rather than spectacle. So when it comes to like Dark City or even The Hulk or uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, it's always lighting up my brain <laughs> instead of just explosions for the sake of stuff blowing up. Uh, and I think that was the same case for uh, Angel here. Uh, what is it when it comes to stuff like this that triggers you? You're like, yes. Well, I like the ideas in it, you know. Like, I feel, I, I love, I like that about sci-fi, you know, the the opportunity. I think it's a great platform for kind of looking at ourselves, looking at culture and society and where we are. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a really interesting story in that way. You know, um, but I think it's also really entertaining. Oh, you yeah. know, it's like a, it is a huge spectacle that's really entertaining, but it's also really interesting and has this sort of great hero at the center of it and this young girl. Um, and uh, yeah, I liked I liked uh, I liked the ideas in it. And when it came, because it is a massive, such a massive production, and I see that on the, on, see it on the big screen. It is like it does take your breath away at some points. Um, like when you come onto a a set of that size, uh, a production of this size, does it take some getting used to as opposed to uh, a smaller indie film or do you just approach it like it's just another job? Approach it the same way in terms of the work and what, and you know, what I, the way I think about a character and what I try and do. 
so for my work, it's kind of the same. It's more like how much time you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like everything. If you're doing like a little independent movie, you do all that, and then you have to do it really fast. Sure. <laughs> you get like two takes, <laughs> and then moving on. And in something like this, you know, you just have the luxury of a little bit more time and more coverage, and you know, um, working stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your character in this, um, I had a roller coaster of emotions uh, with her that started was like nope don't like her and then a few, <laughs> few scenes later was like well I think I do like her and it kept going up and down back and forth so <laughs> it's out of everyone in the film it felt like your character was holding her cards closer to her chest than literally anyone else yeah um, how how difficult is that for you when you know in advance like obviously ahead of the audience how this is going to play out but every scene you're like I have to hit this tone just right because if I do it too bad they won't like me no matter what I do or if I play yeah. it too easy then they automatically going to know I'm on their side. I don't know. I just felt like I just tried to think about who she was and where she was coming from. And, and I always had sympathy for her because I knew that her anger was coming from hurt, you know, mm. and her resentment and her bitterness and her distaste was coming from loss mm-hmm. and grief. And so I, I had sympathy for her in that, even when she was being kind of awful. She was being kind of... Like, I never quite bought it. Like, she was being kind of... She was retaliating almost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she was petulant. Sure. With we, we, we just cause, I think, because... You know. Not to get into why, but with good reason, I think. Yeah. Um, can you say how many, or if any, sequels you are signed up for? I don't know what the sequel situation is, to be okay. honest with you. Okay. I will tell you if I knew. <laughs> I don't know. You would? But I think I there should that. be a sequel. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's it sets itself up um, so fantastic. I want to know what happens with Alita. I want to know what happens with everyone. Yeah. Like, everyone deserves their own little sequel off the back of this one. And one last question, uh, just since you're going from such a huge film to another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I told people I was coming over to talk to you, the, the one question that everyone asked, tell us about Top Gun 2. <laughs> How is Top Gun 2 going? Uh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I can't really tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many secrets, Jennifer. I can't really tell you much about it, but I can but tell you it's well. amazing. And I've seen some footage of some of the flight sequences, and um, they're really extraordinary. And Tom was up there flying his plane. And do you get? Did you get to do any stunts yourself? Um, I will. I think I might be in an airplane. Um, I have some time on a sailboat. Nice. Mm-hmm. Sailboats are fun. Have some time on a motorcycle. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to that one too. Jennifer, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, she wasn't that rude after all, was she? She was actually lovely. Uh, well, like, I still <laughs> would have liked still not on her plate. Um, so, a big thank you to Jennifer, to Robert, to, you for to R- Rosa, Rosa, Christoph, okay. uh, Kian. Where's your accent now? Cork. Cork. <laughs> and. Oh, I'm missing somebody. John. Dun- John Landau, oh. of course, the man with all our the money. The rich one. Yeah, yes. so Alita Battle Angel is in uh, Omniplex Cinemas right now. You can go and check it out. And we'll see you next time for the next bonus feature. You're listening to The Big Review Ski on Joe. Brought to you by Omniplex Cinemas.